You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Today, a delegation from the Citrus Growers Association of South Africa visited the Durban port to seal the first South African shipment of citrus to the Philippines. And it's an historic occasion because it follows 12 years of negotiations between the two countries with a landmark work plan finally being signed between the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development and the Philippines Bureau of Plant and Industry at the end of last year. And it's a new market that presents an export potential of some 20,000 tonnes of citrus fruit with export earnings of close to 205 million rand annually. And he's also going to translate into more desperately needed job opportunities at a time where COVID-19 has devastated many other industries and led to millions of, uh, of job losses. And I think we see this throughout the agriculture sector. It showed continued strong growth in uh, the first quarter GDP print. And along with mining has been the bright spot in an otherwise dark economic landscape during COVID. Looking, uh, though, at uh, global food price inflation, that is running pretty hot at the moment. So on a macro level, there are some issues. But for the industry, it really is uh, uh, time to reap the fruits of a lot of labour, a lot of hard work that's been put in. But the big question is, uh, what is the outlook for the sector? As there are some major challenges still in the form of uh, localization and uh, expropriation without compensation seems to always loom large over the sector and ESCOM always uh, present uh, in these conversations. I'm joined now by John Hudson, National Head of Agriculture and Maluta uh, Netralu, who's a Senior Manager uh, for Agriculture, both at Nedbank, just to talk a little bit more about uh, what has been a remarkably robust sector. Welcome, gentlemen. John, perhaps you could just kick us off here. Uh, what has underpinned the strong showing in the agri sector over the last few years? Michael, thank you very much. Um, I think certainly the sector has come through uh, very well. You know, as you've pointed out, it, it is one of the good news stories. But, you know, if we think back to 2019, it was quite a tough year. And I suppose that's the first thing to point out. You know, when we talk about farming and also agriculture, it is volatile. It is subject to weather conditions, etc. So we can see fluctuations in yields and also prices. If we just look at 19 to the dollar last year and uh, 1350 or 1360 at the moment, you can show, you can quite clearly see that sort of volatility coming through. But I think 2020 in terms of weather conditions was, uh, was a turning point and that certainly supported uh, growth right through the sector. I think the only, only rarely area or the one area that um, had problems with wine and, and, and we know, you know all the reasons around that. But outside of that, uh, that performance or that growth of 13.1% was just quite uh, staggering really. Um, and, 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 and you mentioned at, at the outset, you spoke about citrus, and, and certainly citrus has been one of the big contributors. So from a trade surplus uh, point of view, uh, from the sort of increased volumes coming through, um, et cetera, citrus has done exceptionally well. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's, it's, it's fantastic to see the opening up of new markets coming through. I mean, that is one of the issues that we see is the lead time it takes to open up new markets. So that is certainly good news. I mean, 12 years, and that's why it was worth mentioning in that introduction, that it's taken us to negotiate access to a market that really has been dominated by the likes of uh, Australia uh, and uh, and China, I think, into um, into that market. So real kudos to everyone involved there. But Maluta, just to add on to what John was saying, if you look at the subsectors that are leading the way, uh, obviously citrus exports have been booming, I know blueberries as well. What really stands out for you in the agricultural basket? 
Yeah, I think it's it's all about um, the collaboration between um, government and the private sector. And I think the citrus industry is really, I think, ahead in terms of those collaborations, um, which is why they're able to achieve these, you know, milestones in terms of opening new markets, etc. But that's not to say that the other sectors are not doing the same. I think the other sectors are also doing the same. It's just that they are also, I think, they've got their own specific challenges that they have to, to deal with. Um, for example, in the field, field crop space, like with maize, they are dealing with drought conditions, water challenges. Um, they are dealing with a lot of uh, rural safety and also um, biosecurity issues, for example, with the disease and all that. In the livestock side as well, they're also dealing with a lot of uh, uh, biosecurity issues as well. But the sector, the sectors are also growing. I mean, it's also unfortunate now with the latest GDP numbers that there seem to have been some sort of contraction in the sector, um, in the agri-sector uh, GDP numbers, um, which has been dragged by animal production and field crops. But overall, I think uh, we're seeing quite good um, good growth um, and um, post the lockdown and the restrict trade restrictions, we're expecting some good robust growth as well in the, in, in the, in the sector. I do think some base effects coming through in that number that we saw earlier today. And John, yeah. to bring you back in and, and to talk about where we find ourselves currently, I mean, the, the conditions uh, this time last year, we're probably looking at closer to 19 rand to the dollar. We're now up closer to 13 rand 50 to the dollar. And it's a double-edged sword because it makes importing um, the uh, the yellow equipment uh, and other you know equipment that uh, farmers might use tractors uh, and, uh, and graders and the like a little bit cheaper. But uh, we lose out on um, our, our export competitiveness somewhat uh, when when the, the the currency does strengthen. How much of that uh, becomes a factor in the overall agriculture story in South Africa? Yes, it is a major factor. To be honest, uh, what we see is that. Uh, uh, about half of our production is actually exported. So foreign exchange earnings and earnings in, 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 in rands or from dollars converted back to rands is a major driver of certain sectors. Um, and if we come back to citrus again, uh, it's about 95% of their earnings are actually export earnings. And we're the second biggest exporter of citrus worldwide. So, so while they, there is some saving that come through in terms of shipping costs, freight costs, etc., um, the, the, that actual return in rands is going to be down. Um, what we do see in citrus, and, and, and this is on the back of uh, some uh, the investment over the last five to seven years, there's been a, a massive increase in plantings. I think there's been an additional 8,000 hectares planted of citrus. Um, and then there's also old uh, tree varieties that have been replaced with new varieties. So we see uh, the... Uh, yields coming through, and and that is, you know, there's a typical lag between the investment in a in a citrus tree and when you get your return. So if you're looking for five to six to seven years before that tree starts to yield, this investment was done five to seven years ago, which is coming through now. So we see, for example, last year I think citrus 143 million cartons, and that's 15 kg cartons. This year um, uh, the crop is is is. Uh, is estimated about 160 million cartons. That's going to increase to 200 million cartons in the next five years. And by 2030, we're looking at 260 million cartons. If you take that, um, that increase in yield, 
we're going to see volumes going up, no doubt. Mm. But the rand exchange rate might dampen the returns back on farm. Mm. But I think what is what is really good about our sector is that it is globally competitive. And you can't rely on a weakening rate in yep. terms of the rand dollar rate. If, if, you, if you plan on that, uh, you're going to come up against some stiff headwinds. You need to be competitive and you need to be world-class in terms of what you do. And, and quite frankly, our farmers demonstrate that. And, and, and again, Citrus is, uh, is one of the clear leaders and has done exceptionally well. Maluta, what underpins our global competitiveness? Uh, I know many, many developed markets support their primary agriculture sectors uh, with, with subsidies and, and, and some tariff barriers. And so, you know, there's that level, I guess, of complacency that can creep into those markets. We really haven't done all that much in terms of supporting local agriculture over the years. And I think just sitting from the outside, I think it shows. I think that's part of the reason why we're talking about a sector that is really robust and resilient and able to roll with economic crises and to punch above its weight and compete globally. What would you say are the keys that really underpin the export competitiveness of South Africa's agriculture broadly? I think we understand our our shortcomings. I think if you're going to be competing with the likes of the U.S. and Brazil, you know, where they've got these mega farms and, 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 and very good government support, you know, um, I mean, it's very difficult. But from our side, um, what is very clear is that our sector and the participants, they understand their shortcomings, that we, we don't have as, as much support from government in terms of subsidies and, and uh, you know, um, policies that are supportive of, of the work that's being done in agriculture. So the, the, the sector is taking it to themselves um, to, to do all this work to make sure they, are, they, they increase their productivity, they collaborate amongst each other, they source their own funding, you know, to, to make sure that investments continuously um, is being done, you know, it, it's been put into the sector. And, in, in, and also make sure that, I mean, where we are able to, we sort of work with, with government to open up all these markets, uh, like the Philippines, where we didn't have any uh, special trade, uh, trading ag- agreements or tariff agreements, if I can put it that way, mm-hmm. to make sure that when we are busy developing the sector in terms of um, planting new orchards or producing more field crops or or, 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 or breeding more, more livestock, then we have a market that we can, can be able to take to and one that is sustainable. I think it, it, it all comes to that understanding where we, we are what our challenges are, and how do we then leverage off um, our capabilities and our collaboration. And, and, and the, the, the banking sector, where we, we sort of, myself and John, uh, I mean, we, we understand the sector very well. I've been in the sector for over 10 years, I mean, since varsity, so I'm very much well-versed in the sector. We, we, we talk to our farmers all the time. We've got specialists that are, that, that, that is, that are on the ground understand what are the pain points um, and, and things that we can do in terms of solution or product development to assist our farmers to be able to combat any any climate change or, or any uh, risk um, that that exists in the in the sector to be able to facilitate that growth um, in terms of the capex that is required production finance asset finance whatever else to be able to make sure that the sector grows and being able to do that in a sustainable way. We're also doing a lot around sustainability with water efficiency, energy, alternative energy, 
and, 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 and others alike to make sure that our sector, given the challenges where we are with ESCOM and, 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 and all these water shortages, then we're able to compete at a global Talk to me, John, about some of those challenges, uh, because we've spoken about uh, our potential a little bit. Uh, I would like to see a little bit more colour on where you think the agriculture sector could play a meaningful role in terms of creating jobs. I know there's been a lot said about uh, the minimum wage and mechanisation in the sector, but if we're opening up new markets, we're certainly going to be adding new jobs uh, and a a new kind of hectares uh, under production uh, always means that ultimately. Uh, But where do you see the challenges? Because uh, Malut has mentioned a a few. Uh, You've got climate change and water and and energy. I'd probably throw expropriation without compensation as a, a kind of Damoclesian sword into that mix just with what we saw in Parliament re- recently. Where do you see the big challenges? In terms of agriculture, it, it really has come through a purple patch and we've had uh, consecutive years. 2020, 2021, um, you know, it looks to be a good year and it's on the back of a, a pretty good 2020. So you're working with quite a hard base. But I think what we do have to stare down, there are some critical challenges and um, this applies not only to government but to private sector as well. I think if we talk about the sort of increased volumes in terms of exports and, and, and whether that's citrus, nuts, maize this year, we could have quite a lot to, to sort of export. And, and the exporting of maize, for example, is going to be the challenge at the ports. The congestion at the ports will only be worse than what it has been. Um, so that's where I can maybe start in, in terms of infrastructure. Um, the private sector has invested a lot into production capacity, so on farms, the trees, the pack houses, cold storage, you know, everything that goes with it. Mm. But we need good roads. We need uh, good rail. We need good ports. We need the efficiency in the ports to be far better because what, what tends to happen is that the, the cost of, do, of doing business just goes through the roof if you haven't got that good infrastructure. Your value chain has to be competitive on a global basis. And a lot of these factors need to come together. And that includes access to markets, of course. But if I just stick with infrastructure and I stick with the ports, the ports, for example, it's not really a case of capacity. They have the capacity, but they, the equipment is in a, in a poor state. The efficiencies and the productivity are not nearly where they should be. Yeah. They're probably at about 30% of global standards. So there's a lot that we can do to get that right to support this growth in the export products. And as I mentioned, more than 50% of our, of our production is exported. So, so, so that is key. Infrastructure is key. Moving more from road to rail is key, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we, we've spoken about market access, um, and I think that's been well covered. The other critical aspects, and you have mentioned some of them, so sustainability and climate change, supporting our farmers and building climate-resilient farming businesses is, is essential. Most farmers see... Climate risk is one of their top risks on farms. And I do think it's one of the reasons that makes our farmers uh, globally competitive. Mm. They are so honed and fine-tuned to dealing with risks with very minimal support that they actually their risk strategies are top-notch. And, and we see that with sustainability and the adoption of um, renewable energy, water efficiency, etc. Soil health is another big, a big focus area in terms of climate. If I then look at, um, so that's climate change sorted. If I, if, if I turn to transformation, and I think that's the big one that's staring us down, and quite frankly, the pace of trans, uh, transformation has been far too slow. 
you know, we sort of estimate that um, black producers only make up about 5%. It, it does vary whether you're looking at sugarcane or, or livestock or uh, citrus production. But um, the point is that it's been extremely slow, and we need to fast-track that. Uh, growth, um, inclusive growth, transforming the, sector, uh, transforming the sector has to be one of our key challenges that we need to stare down. And, and for me there... Again, government can assist with providing the right climate, but the private sector needs to come through and do mm-hmm. implementation, execution. And if we can get that right, and there's been a lot of good discussion around blended finance scheme, um, master plans. You would have heard about the poultry and the sugar master yep. plans, and there's a whole lot more master plans coming through. I've seen some of the planning on the back end and the, the engagement between the social partners, whether it's um, government, labor, or business has been outstanding, but that's all in the planning. I think the crux for us is the implementation and how we stare down these challenges and how we address them and, and not only talk about them, but how we really take it forward. I think that's the key. Yeah, yeah. because, I mean, what we saw was that in that ad hoc committee on the uh, the amendment of Section 25 of the Constitution, uh, it, it, there was this revised draft presented to the committee, including three very controversial proposals, state custodianship of land as a, as a natural resource, the removal of the 1913 cutoff date for, for land restitution claims, and also the removing of the requirement that nil compensation must be sanctioned by a court process. And I mean, those kinds of uh, um, uh, revisions, if they were to be enacted, would certainly uh, dampen any appetite for further investment in the sector. But it is up to the sector to um, to steer you know, transformation and its and and its lack in certain areas of transformation um, in the face. Look in the mirror and say, well, how do we improve things? Mm. I just I just want to Maluta, uh, as we're running out of time, mention another important issue that we haven't touched on as well, and that's obviously the liquidity issues around the land bank. I mean, yeah. you you you're at Ned Bank, so I mean, you you understand how critical it is for a very capital intensive, long lead time, highly cyclical sector that we get that uh, issue sorted out. Yeah, I think it, it, land bank is very, I think, crucial. I mean, I think it's one of the integral, you know, um, pieces uh, in the agri space. That if we don't have it, um, I mean, the sector could collapse because um, I think one of its very important mandate is that of developmental, um, in terms of the emerging farmers, the black farmers, and. And, and these guys, um, they really depend on the land bank to be able to, to access because from a commercial banking uh, financing um, perspective, it's very difficult for us to to fund um, in that space because we don't have the mandate. We are working hard to, to play in that space, but if the land bank doesn't sort itself out, get capitalized and they sort of restructure themselves, then we sort of going to be, be, be in trouble because there's going to be quite a huge funding gap. Um, so that's very critical that it is indeed addressed. Well, it is a, um, a one of the standouts, one of the, uh, to your point earlier, John, uh, one of the purple patch performers uh, in the South African economy. Uh, there are obviously some challenges, uh, but it does encourage me when I hear about the work that's going on uh, behind the scenes to develop master plans uh, for the state and the private sector to work together in expanding access to new markets like we've just uh, announced with the Philippines. So I think on balance, uh, it's certainly a sector on the ascendant, and we hope that some of those uh, challenges can get sorted out so it continues to play this critical role of driving economic growth 
and uh, transformation and job creation as well. Thank you both very much for your time. Maluta uh, Nechwalu, Senior Manager for Agriculture at Nedbank, and John Hudson, National Head of Agriculture for Nedbank as well.